Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. Literally Gaysians. Literally Gaysians. Welcome to Literally Gaysians, a podcast where two gay Asian guys, aka Gaysians. Gaysians. Woo! Get real about their feelings and literally gauge and stuff. I'm your host, Bao Nguyen. And I'm your co-host, Chris Young. And this is our first episode. First ever fucking episode. So Chris and I have been BFFs for nearly 10 years. Um, how do we, how do we meet actually, Chris? Um, we were competitors in a pageant together. We were both competing to win for Mr. Gappa. For those who don't know, GAPA is an organization in the San Francisco area called the Gay Asian Pacific Alliance. And we were running, and I happened to be in drag, and we both lost. We both <laughs> it was lost. such a good time. For the title of Mr. GAPA. But what we lost in this pageant title, we gained in friendship. Oh, that's so cheesy, but I love that. (laughs) And 10 years later, our friendship has taken us through so many different feelings and so many experiences with each other from so many corners of gay Asian culture, from LA to SF to New York to Bangkok, Bangkok. (laughs) Taipei, and all those feelings 
and our own little slice of Gaijin culture is exactly what we want to bring to you with this podcast. If you asked our friend group like how they might describe us, describe us as people who are open and vulnerable about how we're feeling, probably to a fault. The haters might say we're very opinionated or no filter, or what most people say to us that we're hella fucking loud. <laughs> so this place is where we wanted to be even more open and even more vulnerable and authentic. No filter about our lives, our feelings, and our community. So think of this podcast more like a kiki. So it's late after the bars have closed on a Friday, a Saturday, a Sunday sometimes, and you invite a bunch of friends to file into your apartment. The Huey um, orgy lights are on, different colors. A YouTube music <laughs> video playlist is playing. Everyone's connected to your YouTube, and it all spills out. The truth and the tea. I saw someone post recently on my Instagram about being completely yourself so that everyone else feels safe to be themselves too. And I really took that to heart as we uh, started like talking about this podcast. You know, because recently I learned that being a drag queen, and that's a plug, um, don't you wish you was me, but <laughs> being my loud ass drag queen uh, self over the last decade, people would come up to me and tell me that when they saw me like five years ago, when they first moved to San Francisco, that now they feel so much more comfortable about being themselves and being open and loud as fuck. And that really was comforting to me. So we wanted to commit to getting real with each other in each episode about how we're feeling and what we're going through. Yes, so super kiki style. So along the way, we're going to talk about a lot of different things like dating. Uh, my favorite topic, sex. Therapy. Partying. Shame, the gay shame and the Asian mm -hmm. shame. Another favorite, racism and capitalism. And we can't forget homophobia and, and so much more. And often we're going to drag our friends in to join <laughs> us as guests. And we already have... Uh, a great one lined up for the next episode. She's near and dear to me. And we take a lot of inspiration from many of our favorite podcasts, like Feeling Asian. That one just ended, but it was one of our favorites. And of course, mm -hmm. the gay iconic podcast, Las Culturistas. And so many of the other amazing Gaijin podcasts out there. Uh, and we hope that you join us for every episode. You know, put up with us. <laughs> Tolerate us. That's the goal. To kick things off, we're going to help you get to know us better, um, help you tolerate us better um, with a couple of questions. Okay, so now we've prepared some questions that we're both going to answer so that you can better tolerate us, better get to know us. What's the first question, Chris? So, Val, what's the moment that first made you knew that you were gay? So I would say um, the most early moment was seeing Antonio Sobato Jr. shirtless. Oh, I know that photo. This is a dated reference because he's not that popular anymore after <laughs> at the Republican <laughs> National Conference in support of Trump. But let's just imagine back then how fine he looked, not only in all the Calvin Klein ads, not only in the Janet Jackson videos, but in these made terrible, terrible made-for-TV movies. One of them was called like Wolverine, where he played like a bounty hunter. It was terrible, but... They got me like 10 seconds into the trailer with a shirtless picture of him just laying down, waiting to like 
kill someone or something. So that was, that was a little younger, maybe nine or 10. But I would say when I really knew I wanted to be or started considering being out as a gay man was when I watched Queer as Folk, the American oh. version. I used to bit torrent it because you know, <laughs> I was just, you know, hiding, watching it in my, in my room as a teenager. But that's the moment I realized like I could have a full life as a full happy life as a gay man. I could have friends. Um, and I didn't know the term chosen family then, but that's what I felt watching that show that I could have a chosen family, a life full of ups and downs, a lot of sex, a lot of partying, great friendships, meaningful relationships. And I think I set that as a goal for myself. I want to have this life. And <laughs> unfortunately it did. Unfortunately and unfortunately it did come true in that, I do have this life full of ups and downs, a lot of sex, a lot of partying. And now it's sort of like trying to figure out, you know, what's next in my life. Because when you look back on the show, yes, there's like a lot of problematic parts. But we are literally a decade or more older than how old those guys were on the show. Like, I remember rewatching the pilot episode. Do you remember this pilot episode? Uh Uh-huh. For both of them. I saw the American and the British one. (laughs) In the American one, the main character, Brian, the protagonist, is this party boy um, it opens with him like getting a blowjob at a club that I would that looks like we would go to on a Friday, and mm-hmm. he gets a call. And I wonder if it's a cell phone. I wonder if they even had cell phones at the time. Oh yeah, it's like a Motorola flip phone that the lesbians who he had donated his sperm to were having their baby. They were, they were in labor, so he rushes to the hospital and looks into the room with the both of um, the, the the lesbian couple who is about to have his child, and he takes a bump of K. And then he has an internal monologue saying he's about to turn 30. <gasps> this guy was 29 on the show. He felt like he was 40 or something. I mean, for whatever, he was like owned his own ad agency and this amazing apartment and out all the time. But also, was like, he was white. Also, he was white. <laughs> that is true. Um, my life was not that together at 29. I still don't have kids. I, my life is still not together now and I'm 37. But that show really did show me just the kind of full life I can have as a gay man. Because before I kind of just thought like, oh, I just be a sad closeted case and that I couldn't have like a, a full life like that. And so Chris Folk showed me that. I was actually able to meet like the showrunner, the producer of that show in my past job. And I was able to tell him like, thank you for showing me that. And he actually burst into tears. He's like, that's the reason I made this show. I just can't, Sometimes I just read all the, sh- the hate the show gets now because it's like not of its time. So to hear that from you meant a lot to me. And so I was able to, it, it meant a lot to be able to tell them that. That's such a good story. I love that you met them. I mean, enough about me. How about, how about you, Chris? So when was that moment you knew you were gay? I, I think back to elementary school and I wasn't like, I didn't know I was gay, but I think mm-hmm. about the first time uh, my best friend moved away and I was crying so much and I wasn't sure why because other people had moved away and uh, I didn't have, I didn't feel like that, but I just thought, Oh yeah, he's just my best friend. Um, It was odd, but it wasn't until high school, um, you know, I was a homebody, I was geeky, and I was on a BBS. Do you know what a BBS is? What the hell is a, what the it's, hell is um, a BBS? This is pre-internet. It is, it's a bulletin board system. You, you We had a, you dialed in. Which, and, that's what it's that BBS is bulletin board bull- system. Mm-hmm. Okay. You dialed in. Like on a phone. Your, 
with the modem. People don't even know what a modem is anymore. So you dial it in to a local number and it had things like newsletters and downloads of photos. And I would download porn photos uh, and just to like see what it was all about. And one day I saw like other folders, other categories for the photos. And one of them was like a gay men's category. I was like, well, let me just download everything. And (laughs) I, well, I was awakened. It was more Mm -hmm. than just my mind that was awakened. I think that was like my Mm -hmm. super gay moment. And it was, it was so strange to start to see that because, you know, I grew up in San Francisco. I Mm -hmm. knew what, gay people were because it was on TV. It was on KQED. uh, There was real world San Francisco. And, but I didn't think that was me. And then one day it just clicked. Oh, that's me. I'm, I'm, I'm I'm that guy. And it was really like, it was um, enlightening in that sense. And, you know, it sounds like both of us, you know, it's all through television. It's like, what, where else would we have known? And I guess that's why they say representation matters. Yeah. I think you bring up real world San Francisco. Who's ever going to forget about Pedro? Mm-hmm. And the, the strangest thing was later on, I started working at the Stop AIDS Project. And mm-hmm. I worked alongside... Pedro's um, husband that he met on, uh, on the show, oh, okay. Sean Sasser, um, uh, rest in peace uh, also. And okay. it was such a weird moment to connect my youth to my older professional life. And it was just such a, such a nice moment. Yeah. And it's funny that you bring up that you had a best friend who moved away and suddenly you're like, why am I sad? I, I did have a best friend in high school who did, was a year older than me. So didn't move away to go to like trade school. And I was sad, but like I shut down, like I stopped talking to him. Um, things got better later on. I came out and then when I came out, he messaged me like, now I under, kind of understand your behavior. I understand what's going on. He's straight. It was um, something that really consumed me for so many years. And I couldn't understand either why until I finally came out. I love baby gay stories. They're like the most warming thing when people find yeah. out like child love. It's so cute. It's so innocent. And we were so giving. And then so many years being in the gay community, we turn the other way and become learn these odd rules that probably don't feel innate to us or learn lessons, I, I guess, um, that make us less giving and then have to go to therapy to unwind that again and find that inner child. I just went to like the Rina Sawayama concert and she's talking about like the second album was about coming back and then like healing your inner child. So Holding the Girl, which is the name of her album, Hold the Girl, Holding Yourself. And so I just think that's funny when that we're remembering back now as men in our late thirties and forties, just thinking about um, how to be that inner child again, because we've forgotten so much about it. Yeah. How to heal. Yeah. What do we do? We start a podcast. <laughs> we start a podcast <laughs> and get to our next question. Okay. Um, so it's kind of combining the first two questions that you asked Chris, which is what is the moment that made you feel gayian? So not Asian, well, not gay. Gayian, gayian. Um, so you're up. What was the moment that made you feel gayian? So uh, in high school, that's when I kind of came out in like my 
between my sophomore and junior year. I went to a youth group in San Francisco called Lyric, and it was the Lavender Youth Recreation Information Center. And then while there, like after a couple months, somebody there handed me a flyer and said, you should go to Aqua. And, you know, in the 90s, we loved those acronyms, Lyric, Aqua, all of that stuff. <laughs> and Aqua was the Asian and Pacific Islander, queer and questioning, 25 and under, all together club. And they kind of pick, they kind of pick and chose. Which <laughs> <letter>. <laughs> the there's, a lot, there's a lot more words than the, the AQUA that it stands for, which is what I love about these, I love mm-hmm. about queer stuff like that. It was a big, it was a big thing then. And I laughed about it, but, um, very nervously, uh, showed up to one of their meetings. It was so strange to see only other Asian folks in the room. We talked and met people. And that's when it started to click. Oh, there's like a whole other identity. Even before we understood what identity politics were or what my own identity was. And uh, I really fell into it. I made friends with everyone. It just felt even more comfortable than just finding other queer folks to hang out with, but queer Asian people. I got involved as um, a youth leader there, uh, and it was such a good time. And then the other part that made me realize even more how, how much more Gaijin I am was I got really involved in the lesbian club scene run by the Filipino women here. I was oh, wow. at every lesbian club and it just felt so good being around queer Asian people. It was such a good time. And that's where, where I just knew, oh, okay, this is my, this is my world and this is my people. Oh, I uh, love going to lesbian clubs. And mm-hmm. I love the names of them. I mean, the gay guy names are sometimes just like laughable, like DILF, but the lesbian clubs, their names are truly iconic and witty. The one that I, that, um, I was working on here was called Down, D-O-W-N-E. Back then, Down meant like you are, um, queer and kind of on the DL. But mm-hmm. it was a way, it was, you know, our secret language to tell each other that we were queer. And so there was um, down, there was all sorts of things. And like, I remember downlink. Downlink. Uh, so, That's yeah. where I met my first ever boyfriend. Oh. And a couple of other people. But downlink, oh, rest in peace. It was such a fun place. Um, on the lesbian club part, like my when I found out there was a lesbian club in SF called U-Haul, I just like... <sighs> I was the like, best. that person is brilliant. Um, but I used to go to New York a lot. I have a best friend in New York who's a lesbian. And one of the parties we went to once in Brooklyn was called Choice Cunts. And I just thought, <laughs> 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 I was like, reclaim it, girls. Reclaim it. It was amazing. Um, for, for me, the moment that made me feel Gaijin, I mm. felt like there's like the like innate version and the like the more like realized version. And when I, when I mean innate version is like, the first time I kind of felt an inkling was pretty young when we were back to school shopping in the San Gabriel Valley. My sister wanted to buy stationery and we walked into a Sanrio store because oh, I just feel like my hot take is some of those Sanrio characters are Gaijins. 
And the first example would be Bats Maru. Like, kind of looks like a Gaijin. He has a spiky hair. He mm-hmm. Goth Gaijin. It's like a goth Gaijin. He's like that Gaijin at the club who's like wearing that all black, wearing the Uniqlo t-shirt that's black and like torn. Isn't that what you're wearing sorry. right now? A little bit. <laughs> and so like Batsman is more like a nighttime clubber partier. And the other version of a Gaijin in Sanrio to me is Karopi. Karopi is more like the mm-hmm. Sunday fun day, like daytime festival kind of Gaijin. Like he has Just that the mainstream Gaijin. Batsmaru is like the alternative steam Gaijin. But <laughs> Karopi, like Batsmaru goes to the warehouse parties. Karopi goes to the circuit party. Um, <laughs> or he doesn't even like circuit parties. He only goes to places that play, it goes to Tiger Heat. Like he only goes to places that play. Like he says his favorite artist is Megan Trainer. Uh, and they love uh, they love the bottomless mimosas Sundays. Love the bottomless mimosa Sundays. They oh, he, so he's like Karopi Sometimes is always wearing that striped shirt. That's like the exact Topshop Zara striped shirt. The gay meme shirt. The gay meme shirt that they wear as a starter pack to Coachella. And so we love us both and all kinds of Gaijins. and Bats Maru and Karopi represent that. I feel like also early on Sailor Moon, an awakening. <laughs> And, you know, the best thing about Sailor Moon is that, you know, we grow up with Sailor Moon, think the American version, just to later find out the Japanese version had so many queer characters. Yes. And I'm sure that we all saw between the lines. Yeah, there was, I think, Jupiter and Pluto or Jupiter, Sailor Jupiter and Uranus or something. But I remember that being... Wow, amazing when I was growing up to realize that. But and then, there were trans ones too. There were? Yeah, but they okay. changed their their story in the American one. It, it's just it's amazing how much um puritanical America changed everything just to make it more palatable. On to the next question. Okay. How do we so we did this abridged version in the beginning, but now we can get a little deeper. Chris, how did we meet and get to be friends? Okay, so earlier I said that we met at the Gappa pageant, um, but I knew who you were, um, but I was a little embarrassed to say it back then. I was out in the Castro in San Francisco, and I looked up, and on the television was American Idol. And I was obsessed oh with God. American <laughs> Idol then, <laughs> And for those of you who don't know, I was looking up at Bao Nguyen on television. Oh my God. And you were the, for me, the first Asian person I saw on American Idol. And I was so excited. I was like, because oh, you know, this was <laughs> the, the time frame was slightly after my gay Asian awakening. I was mm-hmm. deep into Aqua. I was like, yeah, pro-Asians, affirmative action, fuck yeah, go Asians on American Idol. And I saw you in your, like, Filipino barong. I thought you were Filipino. (laughs) I was like, he sings so beautifully. He better make it. Paula, she loves him. I was so excited. So although I didn't particularly meet you, I thought I met you. Because when you see someone that you know, looks like you on television, like they're instantly your best friend. And who knew? Like just, you know, a decade, two decades, I don't even know how much long later when I met you and all of a sudden we would become friends. 
That is hilarious because, first of all, I was not wearing a barong because <laughs> I am not Filipino. So, please, I did not appropriate the barong. But I did buy a shirt from Express Men. That shirt was from Express Men. And you can look this up on YouTube. That, and that's gay culture. That, that's gay culture. <laughs> Express Men is gay culture. It's the, the beginning of style for people our age <laughs> um, when we turn gay. Um, and... Um, Though I was probably one of the first Asian Americans to be on TV on American Idol, I was the first in that episode. The second, quickly following my audition, was no other than the iconic William Hung. We were actually in the same episode. I did not realize that. That that's amazing. Uh, although I appreciate him a lot, I did I did have this. You know, secret feeling at the time. Oh, I wish there wasn't that kind of Asian on TV. Uh, but you know, I, I, I understood everyone is representation, and I'm glad because he was so fun. It was it was nice to see so many different uh, faces on television like that. Yeah, and I think uh, they included another Asian, gay Asian guy. Uh, or like an Asian guy on that episode, because I think they were ready for. Because there, you know, I was, I was eighteen at the time, so of course, like all I had were like blogs to see how the world was reacting to the episode, and there was a lot of takes on like William Hung being like this caricature mm-hmm. um, that they wanted to show on TV. So I really wonder if like maybe I made it to V to TV because they needed to balance that to show like hey, we're going to show different types of Asian guys on the show, but we're going to show this William Hung thing because it did become the most memorable thing about that episode. Affirmative and action. You're in an affirmative action <laughs> person for American Idol. Yeah. And there was this other guy that I saw and I think I went to college with him. He also sang on the episode and I think he also later on, um, uh, I found out might be queer. Yeah. Jeffrey Ding. I, 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 I want to look up to see what he's up to. Cause we, when we went to Hollywood, um, in that round, we did, uh, we did talk a lot, but we were both probably not out at the time. It was a different time. There was no Sam Smith or Kim Petras or Rina Sawayama or every other pop star being either non-binary or queer or owning that and giving visibility to that at the time. I just thought we, we had to, if, okay, if this was going to happen, then I'm just going to have to go be in the closet, even though I really want to come out. But I think everything kind of worked out for its best. And um, even though I did meet you, um, for the first time at this pageant, I thought you were an amazingly talented, interesting, weird person. <laughs> and then later when we became friends, I realized we did share this thing in common, which was being on, on television together <laughs> on reality TV shows. But I love how you tell the story. So tell us a little bit about your time in the spotlight on TV. Oh my God. So, so you are an American idol and. I actually always fantasized um, being on American Idol, but you know I didn't have the vocal chops. So what do we do instead? Lip sync. And so <laughs> um, I'm part of the Rice Rockettes, and they're an Asian drag troupe here in San Francisco. And my drag mom Estee Longa got contacted one day to try out for America's Got Talent. Uh, 
And mm-hmm. so, you know, we were so excited. You know, we didn't actually, uh, we didn't try out for it, as in we didn't fight, seek them out. They found us, and it made us feel so special. And mm-hmm. so we got our music together, and we were on a all of a sudden, they flew us, paid for us to go all the way to Seattle. And suddenly oh, wow. we we're on national television. And what did you? Five seconds into our performance, we had our first ex. <laughs> it was so good. <laughs> okay, okay. So before, before you got your first ex, what performance did you prepare? Did you guys uh, prepare? We originally prepared a Beyonce song and uh, we did this hotel recording and it was so good. And it had like a snippet of Rihanna in there just for the intro. But we, when, when they wanted us to come to the mm-hmm. televised version, uh, Beyonce's legal team would not allow them to, to use Beyonce music, no lip syncing. And technically we weren't lip syncers. We were dancers. And so we had did yeah. a last minute Rihanna number. We had to come up with a whole new performance in three days. Mm-hmm. And it showed, it showed that we had oh, a no. last minute number. Uh, but I loved the experience. It was one of the most exhausting but memorable experiences in my life. And I got really close to my drag sisters. And I remember the the, the judges, Pierce Morgan, he was super anti-drag queen. Every drag queen that was on the show, he would Mm -hmm. X them out in the first 10 seconds, not even listening to what they would do. And... And then afterwards, um, who's the, who's the other judge with the red hair? Um, Sharon Osborne. Sharon Osborne. She was so sweet to us. We could tell she was being very nice. <laughs> she, she was being very both politically correct and very motherly. And she, it was basically like, good job. Good job. <laughs> what did Simon Cowell say? Oh, no. Oh, um, that was, who did we have? Um, Howie Mandel, he was really nice. He actually liked us. Um, and then, um, the other best part was that, uh, the side host of the show was Nick Cannon. And I will always forever remember he put his hand on my shoulder. And so I like to say now that that same hand has touched Mariah Carey. Yes, you have one person, one degree of separation from Mariah Carey. <laughs> I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. All right, now on to a section that we hope to be a true staple of the show, which we'd like to call, It's Time to Be Real. Oh my God, I hate that you call it that. I love it. It's so good. We're going to get real, but, but first, today on the day that we're actually recording our first podcast, Be Real just sent the, <laughs> the app, just sent the notification 16 minutes ago. And we're being, we're being mm-hmm. super millennial in that we're not posting exactly when they're asking us to, but later when we're actually doing something interesting, which is such a millennial trait, curating your life, but we're going to do it anyway and embrace it. So we're going to take a quick Be Real while I'm recording this podcast. I'm taking a view right now. And... I love it. Oh, see, look at me. I'm already retaking the photo because. I why is the self? I, I, always, I, I always look like terrible in the selfie. Uh, I, I haven't figured out where to put it. Like I wish as a millennial, they would just let me see how I look. <laughs> you're not being real. You're not being real. I know that's just <laughs> the thing. We're, we're not being real here, but we also want to call this section be real. Cause this is the part of the podcast where. We are the guests that we're going to have. We're just going to get really real about our feelings and ask each other just how is it going? What are you feeling? What's on your pretty little Gaijin heart, Gaijin mind, Gaijin dick? So let's <laughs> 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 out of the way. Um, Chris, it's time to be real. How's it going? Uh, well, I mean, it's this podcast. I remember when Mm -hmm. you approached me a few weeks ago and you said, don't you, I want you to do a podcast with me. I was so nervous, but also so excited uh, because... You know, all of our kikis over the years, mm-hmm. uh, we'd be like, you know, it's 4 a.m. <laughs> so we many are of them. talking so much shit. So and much shit. Talking about, um, you know, what we're going through, having Molly talks and lots of Molly. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> and, you know, people would just joke, you guys should do a podcast and would laugh it off. But in my head, I'm like, oh, my God, we should do a podcast. But I just wrote it off. It's like, you know, I, I'm, I'm not a good podcast. I, want, I don't have nothing to say. I'll get so nervous. And then I did get so nervous. That's how I'm feeling about uh, this right now. And, you know, I have a big issue around how I sound. I don't like my voice. See, I think you sound and, great. And I've t- been telling you this. You yeah. sound great. And, just- you know, you, and you said that. You're just like, oh, no, no, you can do this. Because I know you have a MO. You want to do this podcast. You got to <laughs> say something positive to me. But, you know, when I hear my own voice in the voicemail, I freak out. 
And, you know, obviously I did not try out for American Idol because I did record myself singing what a song I was going to do, which was uh, Dancing Queen by ABBA. And it was bad. It's really bad. <laughs> Dancing um, Queen by ABBA. And then, you know, you were telling me about, you know, your voice is fine. And I, just, I didn't believe you. And then this past weekend, uh, I was at a party and some guy who comes up to me and says, uh, are you from Jersey? I was like, no, what do you mean? And he's like, your voice, it sounds like, you know, from Jersey. It's, it's so sexy. I was like, what? <laughs> and, you know, so uh, I had I had like an out of the blue moment where someone thought this crazy drag queen husky ass world weary smoker voice, even though I don't even smoke, was sexy, sexy. And you know, I became much more comfortable with doing this with you. So yeah, that's that's how I'm feeling. That's that's me being real to you right now. <laughs> no, I just think you. I wanted you to do this podcast with me because we have. I've spent many hours actually in those Molly talks listening to your voice, um, and it has like a very distinct quality to it. That's amazing. And so maybe you'll learn to embrace that one day. So I want to say it's mm-hmm. always hard to just listen to your own voice um, mm-hmm. and to embrace it and good for you for like getting on that journey, but just know that I find it just very unique and very like relaxing and amazing. And unique. This, <laughs> unique. Unique. Um, and also I just knew that you're the kind of person who is just going to be comfortable um, doing what we want to do in this podcast, which is like bearing it all talking, <laughs> talking, but bearing it all because a lot of gaysians out there. Um, and we've all, I, I think we, are different in that, like, we've struggled with that um, mm-hmm. idea mm-hmm. of what a good Asian man should be, which is stoic. Stoic, quiet, measured, calculated. As you know, that show, Fresh Off the Boat, um, I remember the first episode, the, the mother, Constance Wu, says to her kids, don't make waves. And it really resonated with me because... I think back to how I was raised is that you don't make waves. You stay quiet. You be a good student. And I was none of that. I mean, (laughs) I was a good student, actually. Mm -hmm. But I was not quiet. I was the kid in class where the teachers would say, oh, such a wonderful person to be around talks too much. And, you know, although that I was um, reprimanded for being that kind of person then, I love that I am that person now. And I love that you are that person too. You are someone who breaks the mold, who isn't afraid of speaking out. And and I think that's why we're doing this together. I do feel that same way in that like behavior. I got straight A's except maybe in behavior. I used to like to talk. A there lot. was a behavior grade. I went to Catholic school for like elementary school, so that was there. And also, I was the one of the few non-Catholics at the school, and so mm, there's a little bit of prejudice there. <laughs> so, okay, 
I think uh, we're learning that we are both fucked up. <laughs> we both went to like Catholic and Christian school and I was not that. And so I'm sitting there praying and I'm like, Inside my head, I'm praying to both God and Buddha because I didn't know what to do. It was hilarious. I know. Yeah. My parents literally was like, you're going to Catholic school. Get a good grade in religion. But remember, don't be, don't follow Christ. <laughs> it, was, it was like, Buddha, just the, you're Buddhist. Remember that. Just like, just get good grades though. So you can get into a better school. But, um, it is f- funny because I was that person in school. And in college, but once I got into like the corporate world, I just started making myself smaller again. I just started mm. to be a lot quieter, not speak up and be this person that I'm kind of rediscovering now. Um, a connection also that we have. It's time for you. Be real, Val. Oh, it's time What's the deal? For, time for me to be real. What I'm mostly feeling is, look, I love the party. I love the queer party scene. It's so fun. But there are like some funny things about it. And I wonder, because I'm a person who wants to have a boyfriend again. Um, I hear you. Who finds the apps kind of weird and would preferably like to meet someone in real life. And would preferably like to meet someone who could do both things. Like know how to have a good night on the town or have a go to a party and have fun. But also chill out at home. Um, I feel like either meet... They meet partners either at both opposite ends of the spectrum, super partier every mm-hmm. night of the week is a party or meet someone like who hates parties and just likes to stay at home. I'm trying to find like, where are my ambivert gays at? Like who like to do both? <laughs> I thought about this is this party that I went to this weekend called Pegasus. It was my first time. It's in LA. So I'm here in LA and this party called Pegasus, which everyone has always told me like, you have to go to Pegasus. It's the hottest guys. And it's one of those warehouse parties. So it's one of those parties that you know is going on a certain dates you pay a ticket for a ticket like online one of the many apps people people can't agree on an app but on the many apps that these parties are on and then they send you the quote-unquote secret location the night before the party and when you get there um it's like in a warehouse and it's fun but people weren't wrong there were some very conventionally attractive guys at that party the music was very kind of techno and all that but one thing that this particular party had was a dark room and i don't think i've ever been to like a like a dark room outside of like a bathhouse or like a san francisco party because when i go to a san francisco mm-hmm. party the dark room is actually like well lit because it's a different area like you've, you've been to some of these parties right oh the dark room is the main room every, in every san francisco party yes and you can see everything it's not very dark so i was Quite honestly, in a K hole, which is like, uh, add too much ketamine. And so I decided, like, I need to sit somewhere to write it out. And I go out, and like, the port near, standing at the wall at the, near the porta potties by myself, I just look very weird. So I want to go into whatever the space that everyone's walking into. I walk into the dark room and I was like, well, this is the only place with seats. And it was like sofas. And I sat there for a while in a complete K hole waiting to get better at. And then realizing, like, oh, there's a lot of sex going on and then um it was just kind of really weird in that like the first thing that happened to me in three minutes was like this like um very queer slash non-binary presenting person walked up to me and like you know like they wear like those gen z queer people wear those like 
complicated top. So it's like holes, like holes on the uh-huh. shoulder, maybe like asymmetrical around the neck. Yeah. It's but that it was leak like, your sex tape outfit. Uh-huh. I leak, know it leak your very sex well. tape outfit that like keeps getting advertised to me in Instagram stories. And, um, they wanted me, they're like, I want my dick sucked. Can you suck it? And I was like, sure. Yeah. But then <laughs> they took, and I was in a K home. Like, mm, I'm not in the mood to suck dick to be like horny. You don't even know but- what a dick is. <laughs> I'm like, what is it? It took me a while to process, but then I also was just like, let's do it for the story. (laughs) And so I was like, sure. It took this person literally three minutes to try to undo their complicated onesie top. (laughs) And so we got at it for a little bit. I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm just, I am in a K-hole and I can't do this. And that person just burst out laughing. He's like, all right, we'll have a good night. And I just walked to another place where it's like more of a corner where I could sit down and watch everything. And I realized like, no, it was like, a maze and it looked like it was like a haunted house like a haunted house of dicks it was so so much going on. everything was so dark but there was like little a little maze and i'm like do i get a prize at the end and it was so odd but also amazing like when you came out of your k-hole did you just realize it was actually just a room that was flat and <laughs> there was nothing complicated about the room <laughs> no so i thought that would be the case i really did but then once i got like better i realized like no they like they put these like sheets of like mesh so gay so gay and so like um hipster east side la like gay of like things and then like they put lights in, in strategic positions that it looked like one of those haunted houses that you go to you know at a at like a suburban mall <laughs> you know like not like a Knott's Berry farm or you know universal studios it was like an actual like one of those like shady like mall haunted houses where you you won't get killed but you like the possibility that you might mm-hmm. and, here's <laughs> and, and run around trick or treat bitches I love that for you <laughs> That was fun, but I did come out of that kind of just like, okay, I did, you, about, you, you're not really going to meet Mr. Right in one of these places. Maybe you might. You're not going to meet him in a K-hole in a dark room trying to get out of a very complicated non-binary top. Where I'm at in my life is just trying to figure out, you know, how am I going to meet this mate? Um, and mm-hmm. maybe I think it's not going to work on the apps. Maybe I think I won't, I won't meet these people in real life, but... Hopefully I will. And if not, then maybe I'm just going to propose to one of my fuck buddies that how about we just cuff up for the season? So that's kind of where I'm at right now. Oh, wow. Yeah, I feel you because it's, um, you know, I haven't dated in so long. I am about to be 43. It's We ain't getting any younger. Maybe we'll find a man through this podcast. DM, DM us at LiterallyGaysians on Instagram <laughs> if you mm-hmm. think they're that guy. If we haven't scared you, if you can tolerate all of this. Send your dicks. Send your dicks. All right. Well, on to our last question. One of my favorite questions because you get to really know someone with a question like this. Um, and it lets you, as a Gaysian, be the center of the story, be the main character because so many times... Gaysians in popular culture are the side characters. And so my question to you, Chris, is say you've gotten the green light to do your own show, your own movie, your own like entertainment project. You get to do whatever you want with the show. What would that show, that film, that project, what would it look like? Dang, you want me to throw down my big Gaysian energy? Big uh, Gaysian energy, main mm-hmm. character energy. 
a little bit embarrassing, but it's actually on my Tinder profile. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've always wanted to write my own like space rock opera about my life. I would star in it. And, you know, one of my favorite movies uh-huh. of all time is Hedwig and the Angry Inch. And mm-hmm. it's a, a musical uh, started on off Broadway, turned movie, and I was introduced to it when I was 17 years old. And I think she, uh, Hedwig, John Cameron Mitchell, is why I got into drag. The big hair, over the top, being a presence in everyone's lives. And it, I just want that story for me. And I was really inspired wow. recently mm-hmm. by Tick, Tick, Boom, by Jonathan Larson, who wrote the musical Rent. And it's it's so good. I cried through I the cried whole so hard. thing. I want to tell my story, but bigger, like extra big. Musical numbers, my growing up. Uh, uh, I want to be like HBO's Veneno, which I made you watch recently. So good. Mm-hmm. Like telling my life, but through the lens of another, a better version than the actual version of me in this space opera. <laughs> you know, you don't have to be a better version of you because, like, when I watched something like Veneno, what I liked about it, or like even even Tick Tick Boom, of like showing the rawness and the flaws of of this queer character, and mm-hmm. also the redeeming qualities. Because you know, sometimes I do think like when Hollywood wants to do um, like a Oscar bait story um or film um or series about gay people like the gay people have to be like amazing they have to be like great people not flawed and i love something like hedwig or veneno where like the flaws are embraced as part of like the full complexity of the person no but that's what this podcast was for i'll talk about my flaws here when i'm dead and there's a biopic Everything is perfect. I'm beautiful. I'm going to be played by <laughs> Daniel Day Kim, Evan Ma, everyone. They're all going to be beautiful, no flaws. <laughs> it's going to be amazing. Yeah. I have to admit something. I've known you for about 10 years, and I think for 10 years I have said, I got to watch Hedwig. I still have not seen it. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm going to make you watch it with me, and I'm we're going to uh, watch it in a K-hole, and it's going to be amazing. Okay, we're going to um, watch that. For sure. <laughs> and then, um, okay, so I had two follow-up questions. Uh-huh. What's what's going to be space about the space opera? Oh, I'm like such a sci-fi fucking geek faggot. I love my sci-fi. All of the stories that are just going to take place on different worlds <laughs> in a... Um, mm-hmm. Half of it will be on like the Star Trek um, Enterprise because I love me some Kirk. I love me some Uhura, uh, both the old and new versions. It doesn't matter. It's not going to make any sense. It's actually going to be like a Baz Luhrmann uh, film. Nothing makes sense. It's just beautiful. And you watch it because it is just so picturesque. It doesn't matter. It's, it's, it's just about me. And about me doesn't make sense. That's the best <laughs> part of it. <laughs> okay, so what's the opera part of the space opera? Oh, the musical numbers are going to be so good. Um, I'm going to revive, what was it, Tim Rice from the Dead, who's like from the golden age of... <laughs> oh, he's dead? Uh, wait, which one? One of them is dead. 
The, oh, from no. from like the from like the golden age of all the Disney uh, cartoons. Uh-huh. I see you want that kind and, of music. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you know the one who died. He actually he wrote um, some of his songs are coded about AIDS, uh, mm. and and he was a gay man, but he couldn't talk about that in the nineties, and so. I can talk about it. It won't be coded. It's going to be gay, gay, gay. Everything is going to be so gay about it. But what about you? What's your show? What are you starring? What are you directing and producing? So I'm going to take some inspiration from a movie that came out a long time ago, but that I just barely watched this year at the age of 37. And that movie is The Joy Luck Club. You just watched that now? I just watched it. I was in San Francisco where you live. I was staying with a friend. We had been partying all weekend for Folsom weekend, which is in September. And then we're like, let's watch a movie, blah, blah. And then he had Joy Luck Club, and I decided to watch it on Coming Down from Molly. We're going to take away your occasion card. That gave me this idea of like, wow, this is actually a work of entertainment that a lot of Asians know, but yet it's never been redone. It's kind of like stayed there. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. a text, sorry, it sounds, this sounds very like a college lit, like college American lit, but a text like Pride and Prejudice is redone every year. Mm-hmm. Not only is it redone as the actual story taking place in whatever, like long time ago, like the British people are very pretty and like really noble, but it's like redone in pop culture. Um, like the amazing Fire Island, which came out this year. That was amazing. I loved it. Uh-huh. Also based I on Pride and Prejudice. Joke and Booster. Mm-hmm. Love Joel and Booster, Bo and Yang. Love the fellow famous gays. Like fellow, like we're famous gays. Like especially <laughs> famous gays. I but, mean, that's why we started this podcast because we think we're famous, but kind of failed. <laughs> wait, what, what? What else? Like, there's another movie that, like, I forget that's like based on Pride and Prejudice that was very popular. Who's Clueless. in it? Clueless. <laughs> I, Sorry, I'm, I was gonna be clueless for Halloween. That another uh, uh, iconic movie of our of our youth. So that yes, yeah, so look, Pride, Pride and Prejudice has brought in so much joy. It's been being remade in like the actual book, and also like remade as like these reboots in different communities. But why aren't we doing that to any like other? "Quote unquote" text or stories, and so I want to remake Joy Luck Club in the queer Asian community, and it could look like in two ways. It could be a drag troupe, like the one you're in, the Rice Rockets, because I think the crux of Joy Luck Club is to see the g- g- how generational trauma gets passed, <laughs> and as you know, in these drag troops, there is generational trauma that gets passed from how you're supposed to look, what drag is supposed mm-hmm. to be, what drag was before. RuPaul's mm-hmm. Drag Race, mm-hmm. what Drag Race is after, personality dynamics, um, and stories that come from the 80s and the 90s and today. There's just so much there. I don't know. What do you Hashtag think? Hashtag Amy Tan forever. We got we to gotta make sure that her, the, her story is remade. It's, it's, it's such a good story. And uh, I remember uh, watching it and I was crying. Then the second or third time, I was laughing so hard. It is so campy. It's In the so lens campy. of 2022, it's so campy. And I love that. I think they're actually doing like a sequel where... Yeah. The younger mm-hmm. women in that story now are raising like Gen Z kids, so I'm very interested in seeing that. Uh, and that's like 
a female Asian American perspective that I don't have, but I think we could bring it to a drag troupe like yours, or it could be part of like a maybe like a ball house. <gasps> oh, I thought this that was is getting really even fun, better, right? Like where you pass like what a generation learns or learns from trauma or a trauma from like a certain generation, the eighties and nineties that brings it into like the two thousands and to the twenty twenties. Like there's so much to, to go there. And so that's what I'd be really excited to, to do as a project. If I got my chance. All right. We're rambling way too much. So that's why we're going to wrap up. And we did it. We did it, Chris. It's our first ever episode of literally gaysians i mean it took forever for us to come up with the name i'm so excited after all that nervousness uh i'm so excited to film or record our next episode you did amazing that was so much fun you can follow us follow the podcast at literally gaysians the podcast on instagram and me at meet me south of market gif Jiff with the soft G. And uh, meat as they... like, and meat as like um, eating meat, M-E-A-T. Yes. M-E-A-T, Meet Me South of Market. Where can they follow you, Bao? Follow me at Bao Bao Bowser with a Z on Instagram. All right. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Until next time. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.